Hi, this is Pastor Steve Lance from Noble Assembly of God. Thank you for tuning in today. I pray that this message from God's Word will bless and enrich your life. That the Spirit of the Lord is here Overflow in this place Fill our hearts with you Tim and Lindley Hatcher have worked with Wycliffe, and I'm sorry, their son, I forgot his name. Cameron, that's right. Cameron's with them this morning. They do have a daughter, I think, that's getting ready to go to camp and was not able to be here today. But uh, I'll let Tim and Lindley tell you how long they've been on the field, because actually I don't know. But I know as a church we've been supporting them monthly for, goodness, I'm going to say probably at least 15 years, maybe longer than that. Um, I'm thank thank you. Thank you for your missions giving. Thank you. I am so proud of this church's missionary heart and how you continually give to keep these people on the road and doing what God's called them to do around the world. Every soul that is won through their ministry, this church gets a little piece of the credit. Not that that's why we do it. That's not why we do it. But the Bible says that, that we'll receive reward for what we do in spreading the gospel, whether it's to your neighbor or whether it's to a worst long, uh, long lost person in the deepest, deepest jungle. Okay. Everybody that's without Jesus is lost. I don't care if they're living in New York city or noble, or they live in South America. Amen. Everybody needs Jesus. Everybody needs Jesus. Everybody needs Jesus. I'm waiting for the amens to get a little louder. I was a little disappointed in those first couple. So don't be shy. Don't be shy. Brother Tim, uh, would you come and speak? And, and Lindley and Cameron, would you please stand? Let us see you and give them a hand for being here today. Well, thank you, Pastor Steve, for having us here this morning. Boy, it's wonderful to have that rain break the dry spell, you know what I mean? Uh, I'm from Nowata, Oklahoma. Yeah, that's where I grew up. Yeah, we have water there, especially this year. And uh, so here's, here's how weird it gets in Oklahoma this year. The Verdigris River flooded near Nowata and flooded over the water treatment plant. So they had to shut off the water in no water. So we had, during a flood, we had no water in no water. That's just as weird as it gets, okay? <laughs> it is wonderful to be back with you here in Noble. Uh, Pastor is right. We have been serving uh, in, uh, in missions now for, this is our 20th year with Wycliffe Bible Translators. And so we've been at this just a little while. and. Uh, Pastor said, we're Tim and Lindley Hatcher. We're Oklahoma Assemblies of God missionaries serving with Wycliffe Bible Translators. And uh, just so thankful to you for partnering with us from the beginning. Pastor Steve 
and I go back a, a little ways, um, he, he was like, I think you were a youth pastor while I was at youth camp back when we were doing discipleship camp and stuff like that down in Turner Falls. Fantastic. <laughs> Fantastic time. But it's wonderful to be back with you here today. And uh, I want to tell you something. I have no doubt this morning. I have zero doubt that the devil does not want you to hear what we have to say today. I have zero doubt that God does want you to be here this morning to participate in this. I have zero doubt. Devil doesn't want this to happen. God does want this to happen this morning. I'm excited about that. That puts me in a good mood. I'm like, all right, God's getting ready to do something. And uh, we're just going to have to fasten our seatbelts and see what that is. So give you a big picture on Bible translation. It's kind of like, whoa, 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 wait, Bible translation? What's that all about? I want to play a, a, just a brief video that gives you a big overview of Bible translation and let you know what that's about. So go ahead and run that. Make sure the sound is up. Yeah. And the good news about the kingdom will be preached throughout the whole world so that all nations will hear it and then finally the end will come. I was thinking today just what you would read about if you would get out a file of newspapers for the last 50 years and see what the world has called the significant events during that time. I have no doubt in the annals of heaven that one of the most significant events of the last half century has been the explosion of Bible translation which has brought the Word of God to hundreds of tribes and languages. And much of this is because of the vision and genius of Cameron Townsend. He was a university dropout with an urgent desire to serve the Lord wherever the Lord should lead him. And this should encourage many of you that are thinking about going into this type of ministry, that God can take a dedicated heart and consecrate it to his service and shake the world. You have to face squarely if your talents and your gifts and your training prepare you for Christian service. In fact, it might be said that Jesus only had two verbs, come and go, come unto me and go into all the world. Go out quickly into the streets and into the lanes. Go out into the highways and hedges. Go into the vineyard. Go into the village, go into the city, go into the town, go to the lost sheep, go thou and preach the kingdom of God. Go, 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 go ye into all the world. If you profess the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, you have that command and you have to face it. You have to do something about it. We have been commanded to deliver a message to every one of the four billion people who live on this planet and especially the hidden peoples with no written language. And we have a responsibility to see that every language has the Word of God written in it. So I am excited to report to you this morning on the progress of Bible translation that is happening around the world right now. So last August, in Wycliffe Bible Translators, we celebrated the dedication of the New Testament into the 1,000th language that we've been privileged to serve in. Yeah, give God glory for that. 
That was the uh, Calico people uh, from Sudan, and uh, they're, a, they're an oppressed people. There are a lot of violence in Sudan, but we dedicated the 1,000th New Testament for the Calico people in August of this past year. So, in addition to those 1,000 languages, we are currently translating the Bible into 2,585 languages. That's where we're working right now. Yeah, a lot of work going on. To break it down for you, this is the most active period of Bible translation in the history of the world. More languages are receiving the Word of God or have received the Word of God in this period right now than in any other time in history. God is doing something in the world right now. Amen? But in addition to that, there are 2,184 languages that still do not have one verse of the Bible. We have not started in 2,184 languages that are still waiting. Now, that's a lot of numbers that I just threw at you, and so, you, you know, there's not going to be a quiz later to ask you about all these numbers. Instead, there's only one number I want you to remember this morning, and that is zero. Because in our lifetime, we will see the last New Testament dedication for the last language on earth waiting for the Word of God. That's what we're on pace to do. Somebody give God glory for that. Now, I'll tell you that there's a question you should be asking yourself. How? How are we going to get to those remaining 2,184 languages? To translate the Bible into those remaining 2,000-plus languages, we're going to need a whole lot more Bible translators. Okay? We need a lot more, at least 2,184. We need more than that, actually. So, we train new Bible translators to go in all, all parts of the world, we tra we're training new Bible translators to go into these languages. Uh, now, you still might be sitting there kind of going, what does a Bible translator do on a daily basis? Well, it's really simple. We chop wood. In fact, I got a picture of myself from just a, a couple of weeks ago chopping wood. This is, in, this is in the highlands of Peru, up near Juarez, Peru. And... Uh, uh, there, this is not photoshopped, by the way. This is a, at 10,000 feet. There were guys that were used to being at 10,000 feet and uh, chopped wood a little more frequently than I have recently. And I was just, I was absolutely committed. I was like, Oklahoma boy, it's going to show them how it's done. Give me the axe, okay? I'm ready to go. And I can't, I, 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 I did my part there, okay? So <laughs> it's not photoshopped. So anyway, um, why was I chopping wood in Peru? I was there... Uh, training a new group of Bible translators from Latin America. So these are people from Colombia and Paraguay and Argentina and Peru and Mexico who are training to be Bible translators all over the world, not just in Latin America, but all over the world. So I was there training new Bible translators. You're still like, why were you chopping wood? Oh, that's the best part. So... Um, we're about to have the full Bible dedication in the Huelas Quechua language. In fact, there's a, a picture of a family here. Go ahead and put that up if you've got it. Yeah. This is the Yanaks, okay? Uh, the tall one is an American, Rachel Yanak, and, and her shorter husband is, is a Quechua man named Ade Yanak. They are two students of mine that we trained 10 years ago. 
They've been working in the Huelas Quechua language, and in just a few weeks, we're dedicating the full Bible in the Huelas Quechua language. We're expecting three to 5,000 people to show up for that Bible dedication. It's big news, right? And if you're going to have three to 5,000 people show up in Peru for anything, you're going to need to feed them. And if you're going to feed them, you're going to need a whole lot of wood. So I took a day in the middle of everything else we were doing to chop some wood <laughs> to prepare for that, new, that Bible dedication that's coming up. And, uh, and we were also, uh, in addition to uh, training new Bible translators, we check uh, tra translations all over the world. We go to uh, the Bible translation uh, projects themselves and do uh, scripture engagement checks with them to make sure that they're on course to make an impact in those, in those language groups. Now, uh, I, I want to ask Lindley to come up here. Uh, because I'll tell you something, there's so many exciting things that are going on in Bible translation right now. And I'll tell you that I am about to do something very, very dangerous. I am about to hand the microphone to a Pentecostal woman, so I might not see it again. So, <laughs> But you're in good hands. <laughs> well, thank you so much for having us today. We're so happy to be back at Noble. You guys have been so kind and gracious, and we've just really appreciated the relationship that we have with you. So there's this really crazy thing that's happened recently in the Bible translation world. 400 new languages were pretty recently discovered. 400. I mean, how do you like not notice 400 languages? Like where are they hiding? Like in the mountains and the jungles? Well, actually they're scattered all over the world and these are sign languages. And the thing that's really interesting about the deaf and people who use sign languages is that they are an extremely unreached people group. These are groups of people all around the world that are fewer than 1% Christian. They're highly unreached. So you might think 400 different sign languages, like you would think there'd just be one sign language, right? I mean, why would you have 400? But they have different grammars, they have different vocabulary words, they're totally different languages. And I'll give you an example. So, for instance, for the word for bread, in American Sign Language, the word for bread is like this. In French Sign Language, the word for bread is like this. In Spanish Sign Language, the word for bread is like this. So you can see that all these different there are different terms, there are different ways of saying things. And you might also say, we sometimes get the question, well, if you're translating into a sign language, how do you give someone a sign language Bible, right? Because it's not going to be in print, they're not reading it. Do you look at pictures on a page? Actually, they're videos. So just like face-to-face -face in sign language, it's kind of a face-to-face -face conversation. It's the same way when you're giving them the Bible. They're going to be watching it in video form so that they can see a person signing the Bible. So all these different languages, all these different needs, well, it's very exciting to see what God is doing. It's very exciting to see that God is moving in powerful ways that even the least reached people who have no access to God's word are going to be able to receive God's word for the first time in their own language. So we really appreciate your support and helping us to, you know, promote God's word and to see people around the world coming to know him for the first time.
So an interesting thing, out of those 400 sign languages, guess how many of those sign languages have the full Bible in them? Zero. American Sign Language is getting very close to the completion of the full Bible, um, but uh, it's the only one that's close. We are working in, in dozens of sign languages already. Uh, I've done scripture engagement consulting on Thai Sign Language, Tanzanian Sign Language, and American Sign Language. So uh, this is an exciting new area that God is just exploding into, and we're just like, wow, we get to be, we get to be a part of this. It's, it's so neat to... Uh, to bless people that uh, just need God's Word so deeply and so desperately. Um, I want to share just a couple of minutes, a few words with you from Romans chapter 15. I'm a Bible translator, so as it turns out, I really like the Bible a lot. And I want us to look at the Bible, uh, particularly Romans 15. Romans 15 is an, uh, a fascinating um, chapter in Romans. It really talks about missions deeply. In fact, uh, I would like to, to put out there that the entire book of Romans, that missions is a major theme in the entire book of Romans. It starts with, I'm not ashamed of the gospel for it's the power of God and salvation to everyone that believes. It says in Romans 1 that God is reaching out to the nations through creation, that he shows his invisible qualities through the created world. In Romans 2, it tells us that he's reaching out to the nations through their consciences. In Romans 3 through 7, it tells us neither the law nor your conscience is enough to get there. You need the blood of Jesus. In Romans 8, it says all creation is groaning, waiting for the children of God to be revealed. And then in Romans 10, it says, Whosoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. But then it asks an intriguing question. It says, but hold on a minute. How are they going to hear unless somebody goes to them? And how is somebody going to go to them unless someone sends them? Thank you for sending us, by the way. And then you get to Romans 15. And, and Paul just kind of takes the brakes off. He's like, here we go. We're going deep on this, okay? And I want to start with Romans chapter 15, verse 12. Paul says something very fascinating. He says, the heir to David's throne will come. He will rule over the nations. Some translations say the Gentiles. He will rule over the nations. And watch this. They will put their hope in him. Jesus is the hope for the nations. Right now in our world, there are wars and there are rumors of wars in Iran and North Korea and other places, but Jesus is the hope for the nations. There is persecution in Burkina Faso against Christians in India, in China, in the Middle East, there's persecution against Christians, but Jesus is the hope for the nations. Right now, people are being, being kidnapped and sold into human trafficking all over this planet. It is an absolute epidemic, but I've got news for you today. Jesus is the hope for the nations. 2,184 languages still don't have a single verse of the Bible, but Jesus is the hope for the nations. And half the world, 
hasn't had an adequate witness of Jesus, where they've heard it clearly enough that they understand who Jesus is, but I still have good news this morning. Jesus is the hope for the nations. Now, right in the middle of this, Paul takes a quick detour, and I'm going to go with him on this. Not only is Jesus the hope for the nations, Jesus is the hope for your hopeless situation. Next verse, Romans 12, 15, verse 13, just the very next verse, he says this, I pray, watch this, that the God of hope will fill you completely with joy and peace as you trust in him so that you will overflow with hope through the power of the Holy Spirit. So I want you to think about a challenging situation that you're facing this morning. You might even call it a hopeless situation. In fact, here's what I want you to do. I want you to think about it. I want you to close your eyes and I want you to think about your challenging situation, your hopeless situation right now. Close your eyes and think about it for a moment. Now I would like to introduce you to the God of hope. I don't care how hopeless your situation is today. God is bigger than that situation. And I'm praying right now. I'm praying that the God of hope will fill you with joy and peace while you trust him. And that you will overflow in hope through the power of the Holy Spirit. I'm praying that God will do that for you this morning. There is hope this morning because there is a God of hope. Hope isn't just sitting here kind of go, well, I kind of hope it'll happen. No, God is the God of hope. And you can walk in joy and in peace while you trust him. You just say, you know what? God's got this. And he is the God of hope. I can have hope today because he's on the scene. That's good news. I don't care how high the water gets. God's stronger than that. He can keep us, he can keep us afloat. That's not, I don't know if that's good preaching or not, doing that, doing that water thing. I'm going to leave that alone. And I will tell you, that the rest of Romans 15 starts unpacking this idea of Jesus being the hope for the nations, How that, how's that going to happen? How is Jesus going to be the hope for the nations? Romans 15 unpacks how that works out. In Romans 15, 20, Paul says something interesting. He says, It has always been my ambition to preach the gospel where Christ is not known. Now get what he's saying. He's preached all over the place. He's preached in what is today modern-day Turkey. He's been in Greece. He's, he's been to Rome. He's been all over the place. This guy gets around. And he says, it's always been my ambition to preach the gospel where Christ has never even been heard of before. Do you realize more and more people are answering the call to go to the least reached places on the earth where people haven't heard the gospel? You're sitting here kind of going, yeah, I hear you, because there are people right here in Noble. I mean, you go up a little north, farther north, you go to Norman, man. There are a lot of people that haven't heard the gospel. Yeah, but I'm talking about a different kind of unreached. I'm talking about something that's actually a little deeper. I'm talking about people that don't have churches to walk by and ignore. You hear what I'm saying? They aren't, they aren't driving by and going, oh, yeah, yeah, church is going on. I'll just go do something else, you know? They're not doing that. There aren't any churches there. They aren't sitting there surfing on, you know, it's channel surfing or surfing online. 
and going past Christian websites or past TBN on the, on the TV, there are no Christian stations, there are no Christian websites for them to go past. There are no Christian radio stations that they just keep going by. There aren't any Christians there to witness to them at all. That's the kind of unreached that I'm talking about. And more and more people are saying the same thing that Paul said. It's my ambition to preach the gospel where Christ is not known. And some of the Bible translation programs that we work in are what I call doubly unreached in the sense that not only do they not have the Bible, but they're extremely resistant to the gospel. There's very little witness of the gospel to begin with. So I would like to introduce you to a guy named Ambara. And uh, Ambara is from South Asia. I can't tell you the name of the country over the microphone. If you want to talk to me afterwards, I'll tell it to you personally. But um, Ambara, uh, he, he was having some good things happen to him, actually. Good things were going on in his life. He had gotten a job, and he started making some money, and uh, life was starting to look up for him. And so uh, Ambara, you know, he bought a motorcycle. He's like, life is good. I'm going to get myself a motorcycle. I can get around. He was thinking, if I save up enough money, I'm going to be able to get married soon. And so things were just going great for Ambara until he had a catastrophic motorcycle accident. And he was absolutely confined to the bed for three months. He could not get out of bed at all for three full months. At the end of that three months, he could only get, out, get around if someone was helping him. He couldn't, get, he couldn't walk on his own. He had to have someone helping him the entire time. He felt deeply ashamed that he was dependent on other people to help him walk. And during this two-year period where he could not walk without anybody's help, he began to pray that he would die. And then one day, Ambara met Mac. Mac is one of our Wycliffe Bible translators that I trained several years ago. And uh, I visited this translation program just uh, a couple years ago and uh, heard the story of Ambara from Mac. Mac started telling Ambara stories about Jesus in his own language. He started telling him parables that Jesus told. He started telling him miracles that Jesus performed and sermons that Jesus preached. And Ambara was fascinated by Jesus. He was just listening to this and taking it in. And then one day Ambara said, I know this Jesus you're talking about. And Max, like, what do you mean? And he said, I had a dream. I was praying to die, and I had this dream one night, and in this dream, I saw this, this holy man, and he was glowing. He was dressed in white, and his face was glowing, and he said to me, it's not time for you to die yet, because there are still things for you to do here. I think this is the Jesus you've been telling me about in these stories. Max scratched his head a little bit, and so he pulled out his phone and pulled up a painting of Jesus and handed it to Ambara. Ambara looked at it and said, that's him. That's his face. That's the face of the man I saw in my dream. But his clothes are all wrong. 
I don't know what these weird clothes are. He was dressed like one of us. <laughs> and Barah became a believer. His family is following Christ, and he is a light in a village that otherwise would have no witness of Christ at all. God is doing things. Amen. I also want to, I want to take you to, since we're doing Bible translation, I want to take you to, to grammar school here for a moment, okay? I want to tell you about the Hadi language in Cameroon. And um, this, uh, give me that next picture, if you will. Um, in the Hadi language, this guy's name is uh, Dangwa Pierre. And Dangwa Pierre is part of the Bible translation team there. And uh, one day, uh, our Bible translator a guy named Lee Bramlett, uh, came to Dangwa Pierre and the other guys that were working in the translation, and he says, I want to ask about the word for love again. And Dangwa Pierre was a little bit surprised. He said, well, we've already talked about our word for love a lot, so I don't know why we're going back to it. And he says, I really would like to. And he said, okay. And so in the Hadi language in Cameroon, you have to understand that they have suffixes for their verbs. Uh, and uh, A, E, which is an I, and U. And all of their verbs use those three suffixes. So uh, Lee Bramlett asked Don Guapierre, he said, let's just, let's just go through these. He says, can you devour someone? That's one of the Hadi words for love. And Don Guapierre says, yes, yes, you can... He said, can you devour your wife? And he's like, well, yeah. What that would mean is that you used to love her, but you don't love her anymore. Sounds like a country song, doesn't it, right? <laughs> so, yeah, it's like, yeah, yeah, devour, you could, you, that's how you would use devour. And so he says, well, can you devee your wife? So that's D-V-I. Can you devee your wife? And they're like, yes, yes, yes. That would mean that you love your wife and she loves you. And that, you know, you do things for each other. She, she uh, cares for you. You care for her. That's what, what Devi means. And then he asked, can you devu your wife? Dangwa Pierre and the other translators, the other local Hadi men, burst out into laughter. They're like, no, 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 no. We, we, we don't even use that word, devu. I mean, it exists in our language, but no one ever, ever, ever even uses that word. And he says, well, could you devu your wife? He's like, no, you couldn't devu your wife. That means you would love her even if she didn't love you anymore. If she like stopped cooking for you and stopped bringing you water and, and even if she left you and, and committed adultery, you would still love her. He's like, no, no one can devout their wife. And then the translator said, can God devout people? Dangwa Pierre and the other Hadim men fell completely silent for four minutes. He didn't say a word. Finally, tears started coming down Dangwa Pierre's face. And he said, 
That would mean millennia after millennia, century after century, that God has loved us, even though we are the most sinful people on the earth. And our translator leaned in and said, God devoos the Hadi. Well, that was more than just a word. That exploded in this entire tribe. Everybody started talking about it. Here's what you need to know about the Hadi. 80% of them are Muslim, 20% of them are Christian, and 100% of them practice practiced the traditional religion of going to the witch doctors. And suddenly, there was this huge controversy. If God devoos people, we don't have to go to the witch doctor anymore. God will take care of us. He's the one that can keep us safe. Arguments broke out. People talked about it. Finally, Hundreds and hundreds of people came to Christ because of one unused word in their language. There's one other piece to this story that's very important. Why? Why did that translator, Lee Bram, why did he come back to Pierre and say, let's talk about love again? Why do you do that? Because I can tell you, we, as, as translators, we like to move on. There are a lot of words we got to get through, right? So we don't like to camp too long. He came back to it. Here's why. One night, the Holy Spirit gave him a dream and said, Go back and ask them about love again. Now, you're sitting there kind of going, You just told two stories about dreams. Yeah, that was on purpose. Because let me tell you something, there's a lot that we do as Bible translators. There's a lot that we know how to do. But I'll tell you that if, if God's working the way he's working, somebody, somewhere, is praying. Somebody, somewhere besides us, is doing some of the work and carrying some of the load. Somebody, somewhere, is calling out to the Lord. The last verse from Romans 15 that I want to share with you is Romans 15:30. Paul says this, join me in my struggle by praying to God for me. Powerful verse. He says, he doesn't say, hey, pray for me while I go. He says, no, show up. Show up. Get out here on the mission field with me by praying to God for me. Paul talked about prayer all the time. He said, hey, Pray that a door will be open for us. Pray that we will proclaim the message with boldness. Pray that we will proclaim the message clearly. That, that's a very important one for Bible translators, okay? Yeah, pray that we'll proclaim the message clearly. He says, pray that we'll be saved from the, the, the attacks of evil people. And he also says, pray that the word of God may speed ahead and bear fruit just as it has among you. Paul talked about prayer so much, you would have thought he was a missionary or something. You know what I'm saying? He talked about prayer all the time. I have hope this morning. I have hope that God is going to reach the nations. Would you like to know the reason I have that hope today? 
I have hope that God is going to reach the nations because there are people in noble assembly of God church who pray for the nations, who pray for missions and for missionaries. I have hope this morning that God is going to do something in this world because there are people in this room, in this church, in this congregation that call out to the Lord in prayer. I need to tell you another story. I want to tell you about Sister Katie Tompkin from Grants, New Mexico. My family, uh, we, uh, we used to live in New Mexico. I was born in New Mexico and then and moved here when I was two. Uh, but my parents were out in New Mexico for a few years. They had gone out there um, to work in the uranium mines. My dad asked me one time, he says, have you, have you heard of yellow cake uranium? I was like, yeah, I've heard of that. He says, I've seen yellow cake uranium. I was like, really? He says, I've, I've touched yellow cake uranium. It's like, wow. He says, I've probably even eaten yellow cake uranium, you know? Well, you got to understand my dad's got a glowing personality. <laughs> my parents were out there. My dad was working in the uranium mines. My mom was working as a secretary, same company. And they met Sister Katie Tompkins. She went to the AG church there with them. And Sister Tompkin was a, uh, was a, stay, uh, a stay-at-home mom. She was a, was a housewife, and she had a, a really strong prayer life, very strong prayer life, very committed. One day she was praying. She was praying in the Holy Spirit, and one day God gave her a word that she didn't know what it was. Now, this wasn't an unusual experience because she was praying in the Holy Spirit. She was getting all kinds of words that she didn't know, understand what were, but this was different. God spoke to her, and he, said, he gave her this word and he says, I want you to pray for this. And she didn't know what it was. And she said, well, Lord, I don't even know what this word is. He said, I didn't ask you if you knew what it was. I asked you to pray for it. And then he gave her this intense passion, this, this burden, this intensity to pray for this thing. And so she was just obedient to the Holy Spirit, and she started praying for this thing. Next morning, same thing happened. God gave her the same word and said, pray for this thing. She's like, okay. And so she was, just, she was just obedient. For two weeks, this went on. Every morning, God gave her this same word, gave her this, this burden, this, this passion to pray for this thing. And every day, she was obedient. And at the end of the two weeks, that intensity, that burden just lifted. And she's like, okay, that was weird. And, uh, you know, she went on about her day, right? Later that day, they, she never followed the news. They didn't even have a television. She never read the newspaper, didn't, didn't pay attention to that kind of thing. She's a stay-at-home mom. She was busy, okay? So she, uh, that evening, her husband came in and tossed a newspaper on the kitchen table. She glanced over at the newspaper, and in one of the headlines was the word that she had been praying for for two weeks. She grabbed the article, and she read the article. The word was the name of an African country that she had never heard of before. They had been having a civil war for the past two weeks, and it had just ended. You see what happened there? 
a person that you have never heard of. This is not an important person. This isn't something, somebody that's been interviewed on TBN. It's not somebody that they wrote an article about in the Pentecostal Evangel. May the Pentecostal Evangel rest in peace. Come on, that was funny. <laughs> this, this hasn't been on the internet. The only way I know this story is my mom personally knew this woman. This woman isn't anybody famous. She's never been to Bible college. It's not Dr. K.D. Tompkins. It's Sister K.D. Tompkins, okay? She is an ordinary person from a small, small mining town in New Mexico. She's from a little boom town in New Mexico. Never heard of her before. And you would have never heard her except that my Mom happened to tell me this story, and yet she stopped a war in Africa through her prayers. That's better than most secretaries of state. You know what I'm saying? I'm going to be just straight up with you here today. I'm here to recruit prayer warriors who will say, God wants me to pray for the nations. God wants me to change the nations through my prayers. You realize every believer has that opportunity. Every believer has that calling. Every single one of us can change eternity for entire nations if we will answer the call to prayer. And I'll tell you something that I'm not doing some kind of legalistic thing here. I'm not sitting here kind of going, well, unless you pray for missions one hour a day every day, then you're not spiritual. I'm not saying that kind of thing. It's between you and the Holy Spirit. I don't mind if you pray for missions once a day, once a week, once a month. That's between you and God. But God is wanting to change the nations through prayer, and he uses ordinary people like Katie Tompkin and ordinary people like you. For those of you who already pray for missions and for missionaries, I want to just say, I got two words for you. Thank you. Thank you for doing something that is changing the world. You are changing the world. You are doing something that's changing the world. I walked into 2911, one of our AG churches in Tahlequah, Oklahoma, a few weeks ago. I walked in there, and a guy looks up at me, and he's like, I know you. I was like, oh, yeah? And he said, he stared at me a second, he's like, I've got your prayer card on my refrigerator. I pray for you every day. I said, that's why I'm still alive. Okay, good. Thank you. <laughs> Let me tell you something. I want to I just encourage, I wanna encourage the men in the audience. Prayer isn't just a woman's thing. Okay? We sometimes think of prayer warriors and we think, I even told you a story about a prayer woman that was a lady. But I'll tell you, every major classic on the topic of prayer was written by a man. Prayer is not just something women do. Men change the world through prayer. Now, Stormy O'Martin has written a lot of books on prayer, and they're actually good. So there, there are some ladies that have written about prayer. But men have written most of the important books on prayer. We need to stand up. We need to say, God, I'm willing to answer the call. I'm willing to be a warrior. I'm willing to join in the struggle by praying to God for the nations, by praying to God for missions, by praying to God for missionaries. Here's something simple you could do. 
You have all your missionaries up there on the wall. That is wonderful. You could stand back there someday. You could just go back there and say, Holy Spirit, will you lay one of those missionaries on my heart? Would you just have me, just show me which missionary you would have me to pray for? You could follow them on Facebook. You could, you could get their contact information and get their email updates sent to you personally. Okay? One way or another, however God lays it on your heart, I want to ask you to pray. We have prayer cards back on our table. We also have Bibles, uh, Bible translations that we've been a part of back there on that table. I also have a brochure that's called Prayers for Missionaries. Okay? Praying for missionaries. And it gives Bible verses about praying for missionaries. I want to just encourage you to take those. Those are a, a free resource for you. I want us to pray for just a moment. Because I'll tell you something, I shudder to think of what missions would be like without people praying for missions. I shudder to think about what it would be like missionaries going out and us not having prayer behind us. But I'm thankful today that God has people like you who answer the call and say, yes, this is part of what God wants me to do. Would you stand with me for just a moment? I want us to pray about this. I want us to ask a very simple question. I want us to ask God, each one of you, to ask God personally, how would you have me pray for the nations? How would you have me pray for missions? Let's do that right now together. Lord, I just ask that you would speak to our hearts, that you would talk to us, that you would show us, Lord, your heart breaks every day for people that have never heard your name. They've never seen a Bible. There are people, Lord, you know their names. These aren't just language groups in some country with a funny name. These are people. These are men. These are women. These are children that you love, that you cry over every single day. Give us a burden for the lost, dear God. Give us passion to see people brought to your love, to your life, to your hope. Let the nations put their hope in you, O oh God. Lord, I just ask that you would show each one of us how you would have us to pray, how you would have us to pray for the nations, how you would have us to pray for the lost, how would you have us to pray for, for missions and for missionaries. Lord, our prayers make a difference. Our prayers are not something small. They are huge. They are changing things that we cannot imagine. They are changing things we can't see. They are changing things. Let us not doubt that you hear our prayers and that you are answering our prayers constantly. Let us not doubt that, dear God. Let's take a moment and let the Holy Spirit speak to you. Lord, speak to us. Show us how you'd have us to pray for Praise you, Jesus. Thank you, Brother Tim. You can be seated for just a few moments. What a challenging message this morning. Thank God for what the Lord's doing all around the world. And um, God's still using people. He still calls people to do his work. Even maybe somebody here right in this audience, maybe the Lord's got a call on your heart to go and do like what Tim does or what other missionaries do. But we're thankful for you. And thank you for Tim and, and uh, Lindley uh, for coming today. 
Uh, we want to receive an offering for them in closing today. And our, if our praise team would come, we're actually going to.